and we're live. You're tuning to the Cosmic Children Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have a very interesting individual in the studio with me. I find it hard to pin down what this individual does because he seems to be doing quite a bit. So if you could please introduce yourself, John. Thanks for the intro. Uh, my name is Jonathan Liu. Uh, I am a visual artist who works with uh, photography, so mostly kind of traditional processes, uh, working with darkroom um, and experimental techniques. I am a founding member of NFT Asia. Uh, I think you've had uh, NFT Asia on in a previous episode talking about the community and how we work with um, artists uh, who mint their works as NFTs. I am also a uh, lecturer at LaSalle College of the Arts. So I teach in the design faculty for diploma students. Uh, where I teach photography and kind of like arts foundational classes, like ideation and things like that. That is yeah. an amazing introduction. So to kickstart the conversation, um, I would like to get your definition of what NFTs are mm. and what they mean to you. I think NFTs, um, technically, they are tokens that you know point to something physical or digital. Um, and in my case and how I use NFTs, um, I mint my photography works as NFTs. Um, they can be prints that I've made. They can be digital photographs. Um, I think the idea of what NFTs can do for me as an artist, um, you know, it, it lies purely in creating this alternative opportunity for us to commodify our artworks as artists, right? And um, during COVID, I think that was that was quite important, um, especially when jobs are drying up. Uh, there were no museums, no galleries, so you can't have exhibitions. There's no book fair, so you can't make books. Um, and NFTs kind of presented itself as a viable opportunity to make a living through your art. Like you don't have to, you know, go... Uh, take on a, a job just in the meantime, you could try to market yourself as an NFT artist. Um, and I think that's that's ideally what it meant for me at that time, um, at least until, you know, NFT Asia was formed yeah. and we started to see a lot more development with, you know, what NFTs could do in terms of, you know, generative algorithmic art, for example, um, what NFTs can do outside of art. You know, logistics, administrative things, um, um, archive on the blockchain, for example. Um, so I think NFTs as a technology can change a lot of, um, can disrupt and change a lot of how we see things, how we use things, how we sell things. Um, and it's definitely not a money grabbing cash grabbing kind yep. of uh, technology although for some people they can mm -hmm. um, if you kind of like trade collectibles and things like that uh, but i think the underlying technology has a lot of potential um, for not just for artists but for kind of society to leverage uh, in a way where it can benefit us yeah speaking to the formation of nft asia could you elaborate what were the founding, the the, the initial ideas that, that you guys got together to, to to form NFT Asia? What were you observing? What did you see in the space that was lacking? I think for me personally, um, uh, kind of talking about 
historically how photography has been positioned in the fine art uh, market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back a couple hundred years when photography was, you know, invented in the 1800s, um, people tried to experiment with photography to make artworks. And for them, you know, photography wasn't really art because it's a representation of reality. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that, that idea hung on for, you know, a good couple centuries, decades. Um, and it was only recently that photography is kind of seen as an art form. You mm-hmm. can, you can use photography to talk about narratives, fiction or nonfiction, um, as much as paintings, as yeah. much as sculptures. Um, and, I think from what I've observed um, was that a lot of artists, a lot of creators um, who create these, you know, let's say 3D models or animation or spatial um, spatial atmospheres and illustrations mm-hmm. and, you know, these beautiful, wonderful creations, they were being left out of, you know, what contemporary art can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an Asian artists, um, there was also um, this gap in representing our work and you know what we create on the on on the mainstream um, platforms. So there were a lot of um, kind of Western centric artworks being talked about, um, especially with NFTs, because you know it was predominantly kind of hyped up, um, you know, over there mm. uh, and. You know, we 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 did see this gap that we wanted to fill because we know we have talented artists, mm. and they may not be you know inclined to um, you know marketing themselves in English um, as well as you know everyone else can. Um, and also, weirdly, NFTs were being peddled on Clubhouse back then and mm. Twitter Spaces, so it was kind of like selling something visual, but. Um, through talking about it. Yep. So that that presents itself as this uh, big barrier for a lot of artists. And um, yeah, so the idea for, at least for me is, you know, kind of giving space and creating opportunities, um, creating this community for people to talk about these ideas, to learn from each other. Uh, and I think when you had Clara and Ernest on, they, they spoke about similar kind of thoughts about mm-hmm. why this was important. You yep. know, it's about this... Um, collaborative effort to learn together to build things to talk about ethical approaches to um you know creating artwork on the blockchain for example yeah i'm curious to know um who introduced you to nfts or how did you find out about it because it's before the the influx of people knowing about it with with regards to the auctions and the sales i'm curious to know how you discovered it i think i was uh, I, I, it started with crypto. Mm. I think like most other people, I, th- I bought some Bitcoin and Ethereum in 2017 at the peak. <laughs> you know, like I read the news and be like, oh, this is the new money. Yep, and yep, like, yep. okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Yep. You can't really buy anything with it. But yep. uh, there are some cafes. Uh, so I was studying in London at a point of time and there were some cafes accepting Bitcoin mm. for coffee. So I was like, okay, I'll buy 50 bucks yep. of each. Uh, and then the price went like ninety percent down after, <laughs> and and Thought you bought money. Yeah, <laughs> inflation. Uh, yeah, so you know, like I couldn't even buy a coffee anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the fifty bucks is like I don't know five dollars. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of left it there, you know, uh, on one of these exchanges, and um, 
didn't really follow up with it um, and kind of only heard about NFTs on the news uh, a bit 2019. And then I think it was 2020 where it actually blew up, you know, like a lot more, uh, a lot more artists are coming into the space. Um, there were a lot more uh, hit line grabbing sales in the space. Uh, and I think this was all before the big Beeple sale, right? That mm. that just sent like all the headlines, yep. you know, uh, parabolic. Um, but it was around that time during COVID where, you know, artists were minting their works as NFTs that mm. I kind of like, oh, wait, I, I have some Ethereum. Maybe I, I'm an artist. Mm. Maybe I can look at what's going on and um, started Googling and basically uh, experimented with one of the NFT platforms called Rarible. Mm. Um, it was, I think OpenSea was there, but I thought Rarible's UI was a bit cooler, less Wikipedia-ish. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I created this uh, fake pseudonym called the Royal College of Art. <laughs> and I started, you a know- pretentious. Min- very pretentious. Very <laughs> yeah. pretentious. And then like, you know, started- minting things to experiment you know like mm. how 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 the process would be um and yeah like burnt a couple hundred dollars in gas because that's the only way you learn yep, at yep. that point of time there yep. weren't there weren't any youtube videos telling you yep. about the dangers of what gas is um and and things like that so um yeah there was a couple of months before i met um you know clara and siobhan and um the others yep. that uh other co-founders of nft asia um so yeah it was just through kind of curiosity of you know how i could use this medium and also the dust in my old wallet um <laughs> and see if i could do anything creative with it yep um yeah what what about the space excites you because I think back when I was speaking to Clara and Ernest, I think they were saying that the the idea of the term NFT artist isn't exactly true mm. because the NFT technology is just a medium at which you you present your work, you distribute your work and stuff like that. So I'm curious to know what what about the space excites you or is still exciting to you? Um, I think it's definitely looking at new technologies being built and you know ideated on on the blockchain um i think uh something interesting that's happening with uh kind of experiments about decentralized autonomous organizations for example DAOs, um that can change the way we look at um democracy or voting or kind of making decisions in a linear format rather than a hierarchical format Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what else excites me? Um, experiments with the technology itself, um, being able to see kind of algorithmic artists, uh, generating artwork and, you know, making, making sales from it, Mm. looking at how some of these artworks are made. Um, very big fan of Rafik Anadol's artworks. Uh, he's a Turkish artist, um, who works with kind of generative artworks, mm-hmm. like huge, large-scale generative artworks, um, and yeah, it's like it's just seeing all these new things that are being created and experimented mm-hmm. um, in the space that uh, kind of you know, quote unquote, traditional art isn't as exciting anymore compared to it, um, and also um, 
yeah, the, the, the general kind of creativity and community-centric um, projects. I'm not talking about collectibles, but, you know, I'm talking about where people are coming together, um, you know, forming kind of collectives on, oh, how can we change what uh, photography arts can be? How can mm. we, um, you know, see more, uh, see more kind of illustrators on, on the mainstream um, art markets and yep. things like that. So I think these things excite me. They still excite me, even if the market is in a bit of a lull mm-hmm. um, at the point of time, because I don't think there ever was that much money in art NFTs. There definitely were a lot more money in collectibles. Is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, comparing Rothko to a Charizard Pokemon card. (laughs) If if you kind of see the the use use case of, uh, you know, each of them, one is kind of gachapon. Mm. It's luck-based. It's almost gambling. Mm. You are paying money to, you know, get something rare and... If you get something rare, it's worth X amount of money to someone and you flip and you sell and you, you know, it's kind of like eBay. <laughs> Fair. Right? Yep. You 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 dig in a thrift store and you find something and you sell it for a higher price. Yep. Flipping. Yep. Um, and for arts, it's, you know, presenting this alternative economy. Um, because you would need gallery representation or you would need to know people in markets that can... Um, you know, help you peddle your artworks mm. or um, validate you as an artist in order for you to sell. But if you're able to market yourself well um, in the NFT space, you can make a name for yourself. You can, you know, start to um, sell and engage directly to your collectors. Um, and I see that working out really well for for a lot of artists um, in the space and yeah, I think you know it's 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 definitely um, paradigm shifting. Yep. Um, in a sense of you know expanding what our options are. Mm. Yeah. It's 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 interesting you mentioned that because to to echo what you said earlier about an alternative means of I think showcasing our work, and you mentioned that you were teaching in the cell as well. Mm. Do you imagine that? perhaps students right now uh, starting like photography and illustration, this is something that they need to be aware of and they need to learn and integrate as important as like a portfolio. Because back when I was in school, people were saying, oh, the website portfolio is the most important thing because people go to a website, you can see what you've done. But coincidentally at that time, Instagram was getting popular and Instagram kind of became someone's portfolio because you can curate your works on that. People can see this a lot more accessible. Mm. Do you think with regards to how NFT technology has been distributing and showcasing and gathering people of different communities together, do you imagine it will be important for, or it will be, it will be detrimental to one's career if they are not cognizant and aware of it? I think that's a great question because there definitely is a lot of interest from um, students with NFTs. And I think um, a lot of it comes with the headlines, right? Like, yep. oh, making a million dollars with like some new collection. I can do that too. Maybe mm. I can try and be rich. Um, but I think in terms of the underlying technology, the barrier of understanding what NFTs are, what they can do, um, you know, ideologically is still quite high. Um, mm. A lot of them, uh, a lot of the students may not understand 
uh, the difference uh, it 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 possesses uh, comparing itself to let's say traditional markets, mm. um, and in order for them to kind of understand what this technology potentially can be, they need to understand what um, what negatives there are associated to it as well. So, I would assume a lot of students would be worried about you know let's say the uh, sustainability issues with uh, kind of proof of work yep. uh, blockchains um, but may not understand that there is that implication with mm. that so I think education in that sense you know um, of what blockchains are what smart contracts are what different blockchains do mm. I think that is important to know and if you are a student you know diploma degree student and you kind of jump into that 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 rabbit hole of you know researching what these things are i think it can be beneficial but i would also be a bit cautious as a lecturer to kind of push them towards it because they can lose money mm. and i think a lot of artists who um you know are not as research into the space will lose money mm -mm. and it's usually from gas fees if you're on ethereum for example uh, to create a piece of i mean i think earlier i was talking about losing gas fees when i was trying things out um you know if you're on the wrong platform that you may not be able to sell your works you basically have to spend money in order to have the opportunity to sell mm. and if you don't sell then that's sunk cost yep um and um, for a lot of artists who may not sell, they will end up spending, you know, X amount of money on yep. gas. Uh, it, it will be there on the blockchain forever, but it will be unsold. Yep. Um, and I think that can be quite risky depending on how, um, you know, how, how much, uh, how much works they put on the blockchain or, um, you know, what they are comfortable with, uh, in terms of, you know, spending to experiment with this, yep. with this, um, technology but to the question of you know if it is important for their careers i definitely think uh, contextual knowledge of what nfts are can be beneficial mm. uh, i've seen that in some projects you know people talking about the metaverse yep. and um people uh using kind of like uh you know blockchain collectible projects as a way to build community around a yep. brand right yep. like um uh, as a way to bring people together. Like those are all great ideas in terms of, you know, engaging the new age mm. uh, audiences and buyers potentially for, for, for a brand. Um, so yeah, there, there are pros and cons. And as long as, you know, they understand what they're getting into um, and are cautious with their security, you know, like with wallets and mm. um, kind of <clears throat> scams being... Uh, quite prevalent in the space. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's definitely something that they should go into. Yeah. Do you think that there's a lot of misinformation in the space? And yes. Why do you think there is? Because people are just churning views and clicks and they may not know um, or have spent a lot of time kind of researching into something, but they they kind of transition into this role where they are now giving tutorials. Mm. Um, and I think, and I'm not saying that, you know, me or anyone specifically are 
um, you know, the source for good, balanced perspectives mm-hmm. uh, on kind of educating people on the blockchain. Um, but because there are so many views and so many uh, kind of videos on YouTube, for example, or TikTok, you don't really know what is accurate. Mm. And I think that's where the the DYOR mantra in the space comes from. <laughs> what like, is DYOR? Do your own research. <laughs> like, don't trust anyone. If someone's telling you like, oh yeah, buy Luna is the yeah. next best thing. Like, <laughs> we think we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we did say we're not going to talk about that. But, you know, there were a lot of these people telling yeah. you Luna was going to, you know, change the world or yeah. whatever. Um, and they are, you know, either they might truly believe that it is you know it was uh great technology mm-hmm. um or they are leveraged in luna and if you buy into it they make money mm-hmm. right so there's all uh, there's a lot of these aspects with crypto that um kind of form criticisms for it that are rightly um uh, rightly kind of deserving mm-hmm. um you know the greater fool theory and yep. things like that um so misinformation is definitely tough to police. You just have to, you know, be wary and double check before you kind of jump into anything. Yep. Um, especially in a crypto space that moves really, really fast. Um, and yeah, DYOR, definitely. What has helped you find, not the right information, but some sort of stability in the space? You mentioned that it moves very fast. You mentioned it there is quite a huge gap of, let's say, information and knowledge initially. But what has helped you, I guess, stay grounded and not be, like, swept away by FOMO or anything like that? Um, I mean, not to say that I've never succumbed to FOMO <laughs> for anything. Um, but, you know, being in a space for the last, I would say, a year and a half, two years, actively, like, mm. almost full-time, you you kind of see the pattern of how things operate. Uh, where there's new technology, people would, you know, uh, market it a certain way, saying like, oh, that's the Ethereum killer. It's going to be, you know, one thing or the other. And then when you look into the specifics, when you understand how everything works, mm. um, you kind of see through the bullshit. And that can only come with, you know, studying and being in a space or speaking to people who have been in the space mm. far longer. And I think that's where um, that's where a community uh, like NFT Asia could be beneficial because you are surrounded by people that don't want anything from you in that sense. They're all artists. They are all in the space, um, but they have also been in the space for quite some time. Mm. And when, you know, you you see some new project or you have some ideas and be like, oh, maybe I should mean my work on this new platform. Someone's going to come and be like, why are you going to a new platform? It's kind of like, you know, putting your work in a shop where there's no one walking by, um, you know, compared to, let's say, other more well-established platforms. So they give you kind of advice mm-hmm. uh, based on what you're talking about. And you can kind of learn through that um, over time, right? Uh, but you definitely have to make mistakes to you know, learn, learn about these technicalities. Uh, it's just, you know, a part of, you know, existing in a crypto <laughs> space. Like, like e- everyone have been scammed yep. at least once. Just, you it's know, like a badge of honor and you'll continue doing it. And yeah. Like, you know, you've been on a protocol that have been hacked. Check. You've, yeah. you've <laughs> have been, you been rugged. You, you've been rugged. Check. <laughs> if you bought a stupid fake thing on yep. OpenSea, check, you know, like, yep. 
um, not that we should glorify these things, but we have to be able to tell the difference. Uh, and it's such a complex uh, space where people kind of use language that you may not understand yep. to kind of obfuscate what they're trying to accomplish. Mm. Um, and it's easy to fall for charismatic people with, you know, different um, blockchains or different um, kind of KOLs in the space, right? Mm. Um, so always trust your self and your own research. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's tough to avoid, but uh, it's easy to just spend some time, don't FOMO, research don't into FOMO. things. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, if it's going to move that much upwards in a short amount of time, it, drop, it will drop that much <laughs> in the short amount of time. So, uh, yeah. So despite the criticisms levied at the space, NFT space in general, and despite all these, uh, I guess, news articles about scams and rock pools and people just running away with the money, why do you still believe in it? Why do you still believe in the technology? I think I I still believe in it because I see I see it as a viable alternative, as opposed to you know what are the other possibilities? Uh, you know, let's say to sell art, mm. like you can have you know as many kind of art book fairs in a year, you can have. Um, you know, web shops and things and you can have Instagram marketing, but, you know, some of these things will eventually, uh, you know, shift to something mm. else. People will lose, um, you know, lose their attention um, onto your, your, your kind of web stores mm. and platforms and things like that. Instagram is now no longer that popular anymore yep. as it was back then. So if you were fully leveraged in one thing, it could backfire, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it should, be the same with NFTs. Um, you know, you have to look at what's happening um, with the space. Um, but I believe in it um, because of what I've seen. I think like the change that it has brought to some artists, um, um, especially artists on NFT Asia, um, who have made um, made opportunities that they can never dream of, mm. right? Um, and yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying that it is the future. I'm not saying that it will be how everything will 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 function. Mm -hmm. But I do see a future where NFTs would be kind of invisible. It's a back end thing. Okay, right. Like in the future, when you're buying something or you're transferring money on PayNow or whatever, it it uses blockchain technology, mm. but it's not going to be like. NFT art or NFT money or yep. NFT products. Mm -mm. It's just a way to kind of capture um, interest in a particular technology as it's, you know, in this nascent stage. And I think there was this statistic like in 2008 or something or 1998. Uh, 1998, sure. wow. Um, emails, yep. like 96% of emails were spam. Mm. So if, if, you know, we stopped believing in emails back then. How would the future happen? Yep. Because there were 96% of spam and scams yep. from Nigerian princes, you know, <laughs> on emails. Did yep. we lose faith in the technology of, you know, basically what what is, you know, foundational to our productivity in, yep. in, in the current times? Um, so I see the same thing with NFTs. Like, 
Um, there Could be a maturation are, thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still quite young. It's a couple mm. of years old with NFTs um, and people, opportunists, terrible people mm. want to, you know, exploit that lack of knowledge and lack of education and understanding of the space. Um, and they want to scam unknowing mm. people. That will happen. That has happened with other technologies. It will happen with this. Um, there's no way we can kind of prevent assholes from existing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what we can do is educate ourselves more, right? Like you see that with kind of old people and um, eye banking. Yeah. Um, you know, the government does a lot of education in, you know, how to tell what are spam or yep. what are scams and scammers in yep. the space. Uh, and I think we can do the same for NFTs as well. It's interesting you mentioned emails and eye banking scams because people are still getting scammed over phone. Yeah. Phone lines. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I had two missed calls from like, Hello, this is the Ministry <laughs> of Health, you know, today. Like that that happens yep. like, you know, every week. And yep. um it's just one of those things that comes with technology. If we want to be accessible to everybody, that means other people will be accessible to us. Yep. Um and unless we, you know, go into this hermit lifestyle, uh, we will always be prone to these um, terrible people trying we'll be open to, to some us. vectors of a tackler in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. But if you understand, like, you know, <laughs> Ministry of Health wouldn't use an automated <laughs> voicemail yep. thing, then you would understand like, ah, that's a scam. And then mm. you just kind of put it down and, you know, move on. Yep. Yeah. So we can only hope to see the, the maturation of the technology as it implements into the various facets that we engage in. Because you, you mentioned about PayNow and PayLa. We only see the the front end user interface, yeah. but we don't see the back end and we don't see how uh, the payment rails are and how uh, money is transferred and everything. So yeah, do you yeah. imagine it to be something like that? It would just integrate the blockchain technology and we, we, we won't even notice it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a technological standpoint, I'm not saying I know a lot of how PayNow works or PayLa works, but it feels like a layer two blockchain kind of thing, right? Like, Pay now money is not actually moving from bank account to bank account, yeah. but it's a ledger. It's a ledger, yeah. And that's what blockchain is. Mm. And at the end of the week, for example, all these transactions are then kind of packaged up and settled on the actual mm. accounts. Um, and that's basically what layer two blockchains do, like Polygon for ETH uh, or kind of Arbitrum for ETH and things like that. Um, so I see kind of you know similarities in how we already use it but one thing that's good about it would be uh we have a little bit more autonomy with kind of blockchain technologies and block um blockchains in general than a centralized kind of mm. platform of money yep and i think this is where you know kind of like talking about cbdc's like central bank uh, digital currencies where you know, if 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 Singapore had a government issued stablecoin, they can basically track all of your spending, yep. what you're buying. It's all on this big ledger, right? Yeah, and they own your, you know, privacy data. Mm. They know what you're buying and at what frequency. Um, and they will probably say it's to prevent terrorism. You yep. know, you know, just for our own good. Um, but I think I would like to kind of retain a little bit of that privacy as much as possible. And I th I see blockchain technology kind of giving that to us in that sense. So you wouldn't buy into the PAP coin? PAP coin would be quite epic. 
I would buy into the East Side coin. <laughs> okay. If there were one. Fair enough. Uh, I could see an East Side and West Side coin. And then like, you know, it's, it'll be like Doge and Shiba. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Make it a meme coin. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting you touch about CBDC and I guess how central, centralized authorities might use the technology for, for more quote-unquote nefarious means and intrude on uh, the well-being of citizens. So I'm mm. curious to know because my view of cryptocurrencies in general, it always has a very strong uh, philosophical bend to it. There's always some, I, I mean, Bitcoin started out, I think, post-financial crisis and it is to, to sidetrack completely the financial system. Mm. I'm curious to know, are there any beliefs in this cryptocurrency NFT space that you disagree with? That you feel it, it shouldn't be like that. It should be somewhere, something else. Oh. Hmm. Oh, that's a big question. Because there's a lot of facets to, you know, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and things like that. Um, ooh. I think, I think I might need more time to kind of process this, but off the top of my head, I would... Uh, I am wary of the gambling side of things with mm-hmm. with um, kind of crypto and NFTs in general, where it seems too easy to mm. kind of uh, trade and flip and things, and it could get quite addictive because, like, there's this thing we 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 talk about, like you know, magic internet money, <laughs> right? Like it when you spend one ETH, it feels like one ETH, but it's actually 2,000 US dollars. Mm. But when it's one ETH, it doesn't feel as impactful. Something of the, the, the brain doesn't really cognitively say, oh, yeah. that is actually 2,000, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when when you look at, when you look at what, I think the the peak of, uh, so if you take a collectible, for example, Body Ape Yacht Club or whatever, uh, the peak of that project was what, 150 ETH. So How much is that in... in- that's yeah. like a HDB flat. Jesus. Like it doesn't matter how much it is, but 150 sounds okay. Mm-hmm. But you can buy a house with it. And I think that applies to a lot of other kind of tokens. And mm. you know, um when when certain tokens their denomination gets too big, they usually kind of do a burn and to bring it back down to like, oh, it's no longer ten dollars a token, it's now 50 cents a token mm. burnt like 80 percent of the the supply or whatever um because when it's cheap people will be like oh i wouldn't buy a bitcoin for how much is bitcoin today Thirty thousand us but oh dogecoin is like six cents i'll buy a million and then you know oh, but, throw 50 and oh, 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. bucks and you can get a um you know a couple hundred dogecoin because oh maybe dogecoin become like thirty thousand mm. one day but um, people tend to forget that they have different supplies mm-hmm. for each of the each of the tokens, and you know there's only ever like, if I'm not wrong, 21 million Bitcoin, but there probably are billions of Dogecoin now. Yep. So you see that disparity, and, and that's and, where the economy, the the knowledge of the economy of both different things come in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, you're just kind of buying into something, thinking that it will mm. go somewhere, and I feel like that encourages a gambling tendency within crypto that can be quite um, toxic mm-hmm. uh, and not even just um, not even just crypto but like um, the other day I was in the theater and there was this like ad before 
what did I watch? Doctor Strange, I think. Uh, and there was this scythe trade app. Ah, and, okay. you know, it was like these two guys saying like, hey, oh, I'm going to buy apples, man. Like, how much are you going to buy? And then the guy's like 50 bucks. And then this like, oh, I'm going to all in on apples. And I think this obsession with making a profit can be quite detrimental if you don't understand fully what you're mm. in because it's so easy. Uh, and I think one thing good about crypto um, and NFTs is that you don't have to be a millionaire to invest. You, you know, that, that, that's the issue with what the, the banking or financial systems were. It's difficult for you to invest. Mm -hmm. You need to get, um, you know, a banker, someone that works at a bank to yep. buy into a, um, you know, uh, uh, an, an, an ETF or whatever. Um, index fund and you know put x amount of money and get dividends and things like that but the the deals that you can get is different based on your net worth yep. right because of risk tolerance mm -hmm. um, but for crypto you will be you know open to all sorts of these kind of investment instruments and one really really have to you, you really have to kind of understand what you're buying into uh, and this applies to you know like anchor protocol Mm. Right, 20% APY. Yeah. Like, it's a bit too good to be true. <laughs> when it's too good to be true, it's probably they are losing money to get you to go on it, right? Uh, and then you become a statistic and then, you know, things happen. Uh, and I think it's not something I dislike in terms of having access to these financial instruments or alternative ways to invest, uh, but it's definitely uh, scary Mm. and dangerous for people who might not understand it fully, um, you know, about diversifying risks and things like that. Um, and I think for other aspects of kind of uh, NFTs and crypto, there's toxic positivity and there's toxic negativity. So Could I think you elaborate? Like when certain people make mistakes in the space and people are like, oh, everyone's just learning. Like we're just building the space. We're learning as it goes. But no, that was a mistake. Mm. You know, you you have messed up people's lives. And you need to know that it's not a free fall just because you're anonymous and you can just experiment in the space. And, you know, some people might gather together and be like, I mean, this space is so small. We should just, you know, learn from each mistake. And, you know, but I feel like people should have you know, should hold people accountable when they make mistakes and when they do things um, in a way where it can be toxic. And we shouldn't just be overly optimistic mm -hmm. on everything. Uh, and the flip side as well, you know, you shouldn't look at everything and new inventions in crypto as, you know, uh, denying everything and denying all of the kind of invent in inventions and innovations in the space. So, yeah, a spectrum of, um, kind of emotions there. Um, it sounds like it's wise to be cautiously cynical. Cautiously cynical and well-researched mm. is a very good position to be in, definitely. Um, um, it, it, it brings, you know, you, you need to know that when someone makes money, that means someone is losing money, yep. right? Uh, money don't just get created. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually I does, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> dig to the US... Federal Reserve for printing money and causing inflation. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, when generally when someone loses money, someone else is, you know, 
taking that off the table, taking that liquidity. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, yeah, education. So yeah, I, I would say that lack of education, the lack of um, kind of, you know, people being held accountable for things mm. uh, is something that can be better in the space. Uh, and also kind of critical criticism um, mm. of the space, like ideologically, uh, what some of these things represent. Um, there's a lot of people who are kind of anti-crypto for their reasons. There's a lot of people who are pro-crypto, um, but there's very little understanding of both sides. They're just shouting at each other? Yeah, they're just shouting at each other and, you know, um, not trying to understand uh, each other's perspective and finding a middle ground, if mm -hmm. that ever exists. Mm -hmm. But I think there can be, you know, fairer con conversations about both sides. And I think, you know, when we first started out um, with NFT Asia, we had a lot of debates. Like we had, we have this channel called Art Discourse. Interesting. And we would just talk about, you know, like, is this ethical? Like, yeah, you know, from different perspectives, um, how it plays out. We talked a lot about sustainability issues uh, very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, you know, one of the first kind of uh Articles where it came out like, oh, one Ethereum transaction equals flying around the earth like a million times or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just talking about the feasibility of it. Because if you were minting your work on Ethereum, you would be defensive because you don't want to be that person yep. who, you know, is being ultra unsustainable. But on the other end, you know, what are the alternatives? Shipping artwork all over the world yep. by cargo and using a fuck ton of packaging to protect them and foam and installers and trucking mm -hmm. them to museums four times a year. Like, you know, those are unquantifiable, um, you know, energy data that we have no access to. Mm. Um, and I think there, there were these, you know, few statistics that came out like, oh, the, the gold industry uses four times as much um, energy as Bitcoin. Because, you know, all the gold shops that exist to trade gold, all the mining and processing yep. and transfer and heat that is needed to, you know, create um, gold derivative products. Uh, and, you know, even kind of printing paper money or plastic money and the, the, the cotton that goes into it, the water that's yeah. used, <laughs> the ATMs on every corner, all it the It gets banks. really abstract after, after yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, some banks have 100,000 employees. If the 100,000 employees each have a car, to get to the bank to work, <laughs> like these are unquantifiable yeah. data, right? Yep. So we should try to understand both sides yeah. <laughs> rather than just use statistics as a way to kind of get around things. We need yep. to understand what are the alternatives. Um, if everything is digital and quick, and I, I don't know if anyone has tried to like wire money um, to another country, but I've been dealing with one transaction for the last three months and it's, it's still not cleared. <laughs> and and it's because the financial um, kind of institutions are still using technology from the 70s, mm. right? Swift is like from the 70s and things like that. And I could have done that in two seconds with Bitcoin or Ethereum or, yep. um, you know, USDC or whatever. Yep. So there are pros and cons. And I think we should really kind of be able to discern uh, kind of both spectrums of these things. Um, yeah. What has helped you to be able, because what we talked about, I think goes beyond just the crypto and NFT space because it's just about having 
productive conversations and productive discussions online across a variety of topics, really. It's about understanding what the, the other party might be saying, what they mean, and I think voicing your own opinions and I guess coming to not a full agreement, but just coming to the middle ground and just understanding mm. what has helped you develop that skill. I will call it a skill because it's not something that um, people can do easily because if you have a vested interest in something, uh, common saying goes is that you will want to protect because you have a vested interest mm. in something. Yeah. I mean, I would say because technologies are not foundational to your existence, right? You can exist without using the internet. You can exist without using blockchain. De debatable for the internet. Though. I mean, debatable. De yeah, debatable. But, but you, you know, you can be off grid and you mm. just need access to water, food and air. Yep. Right. So people won't die without the blockchain people won't die without the internet mm. i mean things would collapse but you know if you have access to water food and air um you can survive right and i think this this is kind of interesting to think about because if let's say there is a collapse of um you know energy grids the internet would be wiped out yep. there will be no more blockchain mm. but there is also no more um, you know, contemporary civilization that we know of. Yep. Um, and what we need to understand is that they add value to our lives, but are not inherent to our existence. Mm. And we should take our time with building these things out. Um, I think when a lot of kind of, you know, different companies are building products in the space, it's because they usually want to be the first one. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to be the first Singaporean NFT platform, blah, blah, blah. Um, because f first mover advantage, they want to gather as much market yep. users as possible. Um, and that comes from a position of greed, right? Mm -hmm. You want the money, you want the users. Um, you bragging rights, all bragging these intangible rights. things, yeah. And I think it's healthier to, you know, actually sit down and think about what people actually need and take your time with building that. Because... You know, why rush into something and do something half-ass without actually understanding the implications on both sides of things? Mm. Um, um, and I, I, I guess what helped me understand kind of both spectrums and the importance of both spectrum is also listening to criticisms. Um, a lot of kind of pro-crypto, pro-NFT people tend to ignore them. Mm. Um, and they don't really challenge them. So when there's criticism, they're just like, ah, oh, you're fudding the space. Like, you know, just because you didn't get rich on crypto, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's important to have um, knowledge of what um, kind of opposing views in the space uh, could be. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, come to a conclusion with these opposing views rather than just, you know, kind of um, defend your backs um, till the end. Um because I think we're, we're all just here kind of building a better space for ourselves. And we need to understand that. Um, but because of kind of the competitiveness in the space, we usually turn into enemies. Mm. And that's not just, you know, exclusive to crypto. Yep. That's, you know, for a lot of other things as well. Um, so, yeah, just trying to trying to be fair to yourself and also to the technology that you're building, I yep. think. So with... With your involvement with NFT Asia, I'm curious to know how has that changed your perception about art and creation? 
Mm. How has it changed over the past year? Um, I mean, I have to say that um, the art market or the art scene in Singapore can be quite insular. What is where that? people um, people know people and things happen. And if you don't know people, too bad. Then mm-hmm. things don't happen. Um, and I think it's not wrong that people kind of you know lift up the people. Uh, the the connections that they know um, in the space and they get um, certain opportunities that are not open to other people coming in or other other people kind of um, positioned outside of this circle the inner circle if you may um, and also the lack of kind of um, transparency with how um, different projects get funding from mm-hmm. let's say institutions that you know, give grants and things to the arts. Um, and the people that are making these decisions know people, right? Like it's it's not really something that's voted on, it's something mm-hmm. that decided. Um, and I think this can be, this can be, this can be better. Um, and I'm not saying that blockchain can make it better, but I'm saying that blockchain can be alternative to an option to be an option um, to make it better. Sorry, I, I kind of forgot the other half of that question. I'm just curious to know how has the past year and we are involved in NFTs. Oh, change my perception yeah. of art. Uh, yeah, so um, I think coming from that, so my background, like, um, well, maybe before I started kind of, you know, my art practice, I came from, you know, a, a decade of freelance photography working with, you know, fashion portraits, things like that, in the in the commercial scene, and that that was quite toxic, toxic. Um, to a certain way, right? Like people, you only have so many jobs, and then people mm. want the same jobs, and so there's a limited supply. I mean, Singapore's not that big, and you know, clients are not that rich, and <laughs> they sometimes it's like what four photographers to one job or yep. something like that. Uh, but you know, I started out really early on when I was like. 16 mm-hmm. shooting block shops and things like that. Oh, I think wow. th- that was a much easier time <laughs> compared to what it is now where yeah. everyone has a camera and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of undercutting each other and things like that. So like I went from that to kind of, you know, feeling jaded about the commercial uh, freelance photography kind of scene and, um, you know, moving into art because I wanted to do something for myself. Mm. I want opportunities to be able to, you know, talk about what I want to say. Um, you know, make work, find opportunities. Um, and I think this started when I was in uni um, um, in London. And um, what I noticed about the art scene in, in London is people are very supportive of new emerging artists. Um, you know, like week uh, um, Friday nights, people would go out to shows at independent galleries and spaces. And, you know, they just want to check out new artists and what, you know, people are talking about. And it's all sorts of, you know, art. It's all sorts of explorations, experimentations. Mm. And I found that to be really exciting. And I think after moving back, um, I found that people who get opportunities usually are from very similar groups uh, or or networks. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it's hard to kind of put yourself and situate yourself within this 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 tight knit community, mm. um, 
that uplifts each other, right? So like coming from an outsider point of view, it was very hard to kind of be a part of it. Or it's very hard to get opportunities to be a part of it um, while being a part of it. And yeah, not not that... Yeah, not not that I'm like jaded with the art market or or something like that, but it's just that we don't have a lot of opportunities, you know, no matter... Um, um, because it's always dependent on these spaces mm-hmm. and, you know, land scarcity, space scarcity in you Singapore. You mentioned about funding initially as well. Like certain types of people, certain types of ideas tend to get funded more as opposed to yeah, perhaps I mean, alternative yeah, ideas. Yeah. So like NAC's five-year plan is like, you know, audience-centric, right? So mm-hmm. if your work has bright lights, you basically get a funding. But if you want to talk about something critical, they might think it's too touchy. Yep. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. you know, so I think they were prioritizing kind of um, uh, giving grants to projects that can engage the public, which is part of their agenda, um, rather than supporting artists who are kind of creating mm. great work, but may not be, um, you know, part of their KPIs exactly. uh, in, in that sense. Or might not fit the brief or something. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and it's because there's one agenda. Like, why is there only one agenda? And why is there... Why should that agenda apply to everything? Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can have like, we can have, you know, 15 light festivals a year and still some artists don't get grants. I'm not just talking about like myself personally, but a lot of other artists that I I admire mm. um, still struggle with, you know, trying to get these opportunities to be able to just talk about their works. It's mm. not even about making money. Right. It's just, um, you know, trying to get space. And I think that, like being in the NFT space, um, you know, removing that part of the equation, everybody now has um, an opportunity to build their own space outside of that ecosystem. Um, not that this ecosystem will get you the same amount of footfall mm. or kind of eyeballs on your work, but you are able to kind of build something from the ground up, not needing that much uh, resources to do it. So if you think about um, certain metaverse digital galleries and things like that, you mm. can experiment with all these things, send it to a couple of friends, have 20 people dancing yeah. around your artworks. Like this is something tangible that you can do mm. without relying on institutions in that sense. Um, not that this should replace institutional um, uh, platforms, mm-hmm. museums, galleries, um, but it's just an alternative for those who are left out of it. And I think that's that's important to have in the space um, because we all know that, you know, not everyone will have uh, or can have this opportunity. Yep. So why not just make a little more space on yourself mm-hmm. where you don't have to pay rent? Uh, it sounds to, to me like a, a space. like approval thing as well. You don't need to seek the approval of these art institutions, but you can just do it on yourself. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the point of having a show is you put something out there and people tell you how they feel, mm. right? But when all of the shows we see are sanctioned by institutions saying that this is of quality therefore it should be seen Mm. like sometimes i just want to go out and see a shit art show (laughs) and like be amazed at some 
themes that they explore and touchy subjects and um you know sen- scandalous things that people do with art and 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 experimentations and i think that is what's interesting to me and i see that you know on a daily basis with um nfts because there isn't that oversight mm. um you get to see all sorts of kind of creations and all sorts of creativity um in this space and i think that that is interesting you know bad art should exist as much as good art and it 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 kind of advises each other without bad yep. art you don't know what is good yep um and you can't time when inspiration will strike you as well you can't time and you can't curate oh i only want to find inspiration from good good objectively good works but the bad art is there so that when you look at it oh you might find oh this is maybe i can do something better and these are the thoughts that if you don't look at a uh, bad art you might not get yeah yeah it's like it's like watching a shit movie yeah. like it becomes an experience right <laughs> and, and you're just like oh my god this is the worst script ever and but you might take away something from it yeah yeah and you learn from it and you 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 know it's it can be entertaining as well and you know it just gets you talking about things and mm. um i think that's why it feels sterile overall mm. with kind of shows um happening uh or maybe it was just covid um but you know physical shows happening in singapore aren't as captivating uh and and yeah we should see more experiments with uh you know different kinds of explorations and i think yeah that can be better do you see a lot of the younger generation of creatives um banding together and banding together just to put up like a show in maybe like a warehouse or maybe like just a, a, a empty lot and, and and they do that on their own instead of let's say like pitching to to an art institution do you see that i mean those shows definitely happen right like you 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 as long as you have space you can make things happen you can mm. just you know print out things put it on the wall bring in a small projector and make things happen and i think that still should exist and that still exists um you know these independently led shows and um but it's tough to sustain i yep. would imagine you know because not everyone have access to spaces um and if you're lucky enough to have spaces then you have to think about the logistics of you know putting these things on and they can be tiring and you know as much as i would want them to you know be happening every week and i don't think it's also um sustainable for people to just kind of um you know put on these shows on their own dime and um making things happen mm. um but I, you know i'm pretty sure they still exist um you know at different genres with music with performance with you know different genres of art um yeah i think you know that's what's beautiful about the art space right like if you have an idea you just do it if you're mm-hmm. able to and yeah that's definitely the kind of energy we need with um how we approach different things in the space so i'm curious to know um what problems do you see younger creatives facing in the future um i mean it's it's unrealistic to think that you can be an artist full time in singapore because i think the demand um and the support that you would require and the marketing you, you would require to make a li- a full-time living off just making art is quite hard to sustain. I think that probably will be an issue that a lot of artists will face that I face that you know a lot of my friends who are artists also face. Um everyone's working a second job. They mm-hmm. all have a side hustle. They all kind of understand that art is 
for the soul and work is for the living <laughs> to live um and i think yeah having access to um and this is where kind of like i see nfts coming in right having access to opportunities and tools to commodify parts of yourself uh part of your practice can be useful even you know if it doesn't sell at least it's there it's mm-hmm. like it's like a shopify uh site uh, for your works someone one day might order a print and you mm. feel great about it and i think that can happen with nfts as well if someone wants to support you as an artist they like your work they have the option to buy it you don't have to um you know you 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 don't have that much fees that you have to you know print and keep stock and yep, yep. mail and things like that and i think um that's definitely uh one thing that that artists will face and can kind of address with certain technologies not that they have to use blockchain for that you know they can go to art book fairs mm. you know you just had the singapore art book fair recently you know get a booth put some of your work out there talk to people and then yep. someone who likes it will buy your book and i think you know um before nfts that was what i did like mm. i i had um a couple of self published books i would bind them for 3 weeks straight and you know bring them to a fair and you know like they'll be like yeah i have 38 copies of my book that's all <laughs> yeah that's all that's all i could make in in yeah. you know 21 days or whatever yeah. and um you know i think um maybe not so much about the money but about getting validation as an artist is tough uh and it's also important to have mm-hmm. um you know just people talking about your artwork to you um asking you about your ideas and you know your impetus in mm. actually making art yep and i think it's the conversations that we crave and mm-hmm. we want to talk about um in the space so if i have a two part question i'm curious to know would you call yourself an artist um i've struggled with this question quite a bit um as a photographer or photographic artist um and i think i saw it i i i saw how i kind of worked it out over the years right like if you if i were to kind of go back to my all my bios that i've written <laughs> um over the years i would say like oh jonathan liu is a photographer from singapore and then slowly it becomes photographic artist in singapore and then slowly it's like visual artist in singapore <laughs> um and it's kind of like growing your identity in a way where mm. um you for or for me uh, essentially i stopped leveraging on you know seeing myself as just a photographer i am using photography because i think the medium is fantastic experimental mm-hmm. it's fun it's um it's it's tactile it's tangible um and what i'm trying to say with my work is the art right so i present something visually i have the ideological kind of approach of an artist mm-hmm. therefore equals visual artist right <laughs> um and yeah i mean i mean i struggled with that for years mm-hmm. like you know i never used to call myself an artist because like oh art, like i'm not a painter i'm not mm-hmm. creating something from nothing but actually i am yep. and everyone is yep. like you start with a blank artboard on illustrator and then 10 hours later you have an illustration yes yep. you're an artist 
um, the same for photography. No one else is going to take that picture. You exactly. are. Uh, and I think um, it's it's kind of part of that growth of my identity kind of over the years, being able to um, call myself an artist. Um, and I think at one point I used to be like, no, I won't call myself an artist until someone calls me an artist because then that's how they see what I'm doing. Mm. Um so yeah, I think it eventually kind of happened and you grew into that. Yeah, yeah, I grew into that role. So the second part to my question is, do you feel like the definition of what an artist is has changed perhaps within the last decade with the idea of Instagram and the idea of like being your own brand, being a brand and being an artist seems to be two different things that you have to cultivate at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard for me to answer that question because I'm really shit at marketing myself. Okay. Um, I, 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 I only apply for things that I know I should be able to get. (laughs) So like open calls, I'll be like, no, no chance in hell. So I don't, I don't waste that $35, (laughs) you know? Um, and I kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a. it's a tough space to kind of um, exist in. Um, and, oh my God, I forgot the question again. Like, so, do you think that the definition of what the artist definition is has of changed? Artist. Yeah. Because right now you don't just need to be able to, let's say, paint well. You yeah. need to be able to speak well. You need to be able to brand yourself well. Maybe in front of a camera, in front of people. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what like, what is art, right? Like, mm. the, 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 the question that everyone kind of struggles with. And I think... You know, if you are creating something from nothing for no reason, purely because you feel the desire to do it, then you're an artist. And you know, there are artists in all kinds of um, crafts and uh, genres, and in music, in performance, in theater. You suddenly feel the urge to move a certain way as a dancer. Um, you are creating, and I think um, we shouldn't. You know, I don't. I don't think anyone should kind of like gatekeep the term artist, because there can be good artists and bad artists, and mm-hmm. you know, people grow from bad artists into good artists. I mean, I, yep. I, me for example, um, and I think, you know, as long as we don't lose that drive to create, I, I, I don't think the, you know, the term should be debatable or is even that important, and I think with you know, the NFT space, you have kind of people taking on that role of an artist uh, much more fervently, you know, throughout the last year and a half. Um, People who used to kind of create 3D models and um, illustrations and, you know, anime fan art, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they start to be like, oh yeah, I am an artist because now there is, you know, this alternative economy for me and they all are artists mm. and I am one and I can, I can be one and I can mint my work and sell. And, you know, I think the only challenge is people kind of linking success as an artist to selling their work. And and I think this is the the, the part that, you know, a lot of people in NFT Asia kind of talk about, right? Like, um, oh, I feel worthless because I haven't sold my work. Mm. I must not be an artist. But, you know, 
you don't have to sell your work to be a successful artist. And I think a lot of artists uh, or kind of like masters, master painters have died before they ever sold the mm-hmm. work. And it was only, you know, only after that people regard their work as a, as a work of art. And I think, um, yeah, we, we shouldn't kind of link that success as an artist or status as an artist to being able to sell work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just about owning owning that that need and desire to make something, uh, to create something, to talk about something, to uh, pull focus to something. Um, you know, we are all artists mm-hmm. in this space. I'm curious to know, um, why is photography important to you? You have been doing it for uh, over a decade. Mm. Why is it important to you? I mean, photography for me was, I mean, it started out as something I was good at, right? I was, I wasn't very good at school. I wasn't very good at other kind of creative things. I can't draw, I can't paint, but I can see what I think is interesting. I can see narratives in how I can record these photographs. I can think about how I can mess with the photographs to then elevate what it means, Mm. right? So for me, it's like, you know, using the camera as a way to express these things that I am unable to express with other mediums. Mm -hmm. And when I say I cannot draw, I cannot draw, (laughs) right? Like stickman level. Sure. And... Um, f- for me, photography gave me a voice um, that I was I was searching for very early in my life that um, I did not have, and I have tried to grow with that voice. Um, I have tried to talk about different things, you know, from my kind of commercial background. You know, I understand what looks good aesthetically. I understand what's good fashion photography, what must look good, what mm. is good lighting, um, the technicals, right? And then I kind of graduated myself into, into, you know, talking about ideas and narratives and, you know, how can I talk about an entire story that can be in a book with a photograph? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I start a train of thought or a process with just a black and white photograph without color. Mm. Like what are these elements that I am using? What are these elements that I'm photographing? What are these elements that I'm adding through experimentation? And I think it's important because it's, you know, for everyone who cannot draw and cannot paint, but you are able to click a button on a camera pointed at the right direction in the right objects and elements at the right time at the right time and being able to talk about something is a very accessible way to create art um and everyone has a phone you know you can be artists using iphones Mm -hmm. you can i mean iphones have 3d scanners now lidar scanners you can do 3d things and (laughs) like Everything is possible if you kind of, you know, just use these tools to 
give yourself that voice. The means to create has never been more accessible when you have let's yeah. say, an iPhone. Yeah. I, I mean, even like when I was starting out, when I was like 14 or something, like not everyone could afford, uh, you know, a DSLR yeah. and cameras were like super expensive back yep. then. Right. Uh, but now it's like, you know, DSLRs are cheaper than iPhones and you mm. can just pick one up, you know, you shoot, up secondhand. secondhand, shoot photos. I mean, people are like super into film now, but mm. You know, back then, film cameras were like 10 bucks and $20 yep. because no one shoots film anymore. Yep. But it's coming back, right? So there is this obsession with um, this 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 craft uh, of, you know, um, slow approach to creating something or capturing a photo and not seeing them on a, on a film roll. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm a nerd for photography, right? I, I like large format photography, sheet film, you mm-hmm. know large giant polaroids the size of ipads and things like that god damn okay right like i these are things that you know they no longer manufacture and um but being able to see a print come to life immediately after you photographed it um yeah it's quite it's quite a different experience and i think i would not be myself or think about the things that i think about without photography mm. and i think that's why it's that's why it's important to me because yeah it, it gave someone with no talent a means to talk about things and you know uh, create narratives and um, be able to put my perspective out there it's fantastic um the follow-up to that is how does the medium still excite you oh i mean I have not been a good artist in the last two years because okay. I have not made work in a mm. while. Uh, been busy with, you know, work, NFT Asia and things like that. Um, but the slowness of the process excites me. Okay. What does that mean? Like, um, I mean, compared to what I'm doing right now, um, you know, work and NFTs and everything goes so fast, right? You don't really have a lot of time to process. You don't have a lot of time to think. Um, But I kind of fantasize about, you know, being with my camera and especially like the large format camera. And I'm like, you know, that curtain thing that people go under, like when they shoot large format photos, like that moment where you see everything inverted and trying to basically find a photograph and that slowness of that process it it is hard to find in in modern life and i think that's what excites me so not about any kind of like new 8k cameras or digital uh kind of innovations but it's just the process of photographing something slow something slowly and i mean film prices have like you know, quadruple <laughs> since I actually bought film. Um, so that's not something I'm excited about, but mm. the slowness of that process definitely is something that is hard to find in, you know, um, other other mediums. Um, and yeah, I hope to kind of like, you know, go back to that and, and, and find more opportunities to have that time and space to, you know, just look into the camera. I think it's interesting to consider slowness in things and because it's not something that greater society would value. 
things are actually getting faster and more efficient. I think quote unquote efficient, mm. but actually taking time to do one thing. Yeah. I don't think it's valued as much. Yeah. I think, you know, efficiency and things are important for you to like run your business and, you know, get work done. And, you know, there, like food always tastes better if you cook it three days, you know, stews. Okay. <laughs> like beef. Trump, ragu Trump, and Trump, things Trump. like that yep. you know slow cooking versus yep. like you know a two minute me going or microwave yeah. microwave yeah. you know it's always very different um i don't know what my point was there but <laughs> slowness is important for things to show up right like um you know bringing it back to art like like if anyone has ever gone through a museum and you know you've looked at some abstract expressionist artworks and you stand there and you give you give you give yourself like two seconds or three seconds and you're like this painting is blue there is a line this is bullshit moving on but if you stopped and you know you looked into it and you let yourself wander into what it could mean you know stand there for two minutes and think about things that come to you everything that you think about is the result of abstraction right mm. when they when they when nothing is presented your mind drifts to you know different elements yep. you're like you, i mean or at least i do i i i see i i look at a rothko and i feel his sadness right like i feel the colors that he used i feel the darkness that he felt i feel the longer I stare at it, the more emotional I get. And I, I don't think that's something that is explainable, but it is something that comes with time. It sounds very human as well. Yeah. Like the, the longer you take to process something, the more empathetic you feel, the mm -hmm. more, um, the more you become closer to your emotions. Uh, and that definitely doesn't happen a lot, you know, in, in, in NFTs or a modern living, <laughs> modern living, you know, but, um, but that slowness can give you a different perspective in how you approach other things in life. And I think it's important to, you know, revel in both kind of technological advancements, but also the need to slow the fuck down sometimes. Mm. And, and, and yeah, just look out into the sky and try to see how small you are. Um, and yeah, that, that comes with kind of, you know, slow processes and things like that. My last question for you is, I'm, mm. I'm curious to know what, what motivates you to continue doing what you're doing? Uh, in terms of kind of NFTs or- In general. Kind of like in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoy teaching um, and kind of being in, in the arts because um, they were, well, for teaching, I- I owe my my current kind of you know life to great teachers, right? Those teachers who were there unequivocally supporting you, um, and I want to be that for people, mm. um, especially the arts where it can be so demanding, it can be so um, lonely, lonely, and also demoralizing mm. when you lack the validation of you know what you're thinking about. No one starts off as like some artistic genius. I mean, not a lot at least. Um, and it takes kind of patience to grow yourself, to mm. learn about new things, to introduce yourself to kind of thoughts and ideas. And 
that takes time. And mm. I think I enjoy kind of teaching and expanding these explorations with students because I know how important it can be. And um, especially for arts, right? Like we, we have the privilege to explore um, careers in art mm-hmm. and careers in creativity. Um, and all we need is people who are patient and empathetic, who can guide you on your path to understanding things. And yeah, that's that's something that I want to be for people because people were there for me. Mm. And I think for NFTs, um, a similar vein, you know, trying to create opportunities that I never had as a as an artist starting out, um, trying to, you know, not wait for things to happen, but just build, um, build opportunities for yourselves, um, and you know, with you know the family at NFT Asia who are all quite uh, passionate um, in their in their respective respective fields. Um, I know we are here to kind of do something mm-hmm. well with the right intentions. And um, I think that's something that we and I kind of cherish. Uh, and, you know, that no matter how hard it gets, you know, kind of like uh, NFT Asia being a nonprofit, requiring funds or kind of volunteer, tearing your time and labor, um, it feels worth it when mm-hmm. you you know kind of like look at what you have built with you know all these wonderful people and you know people have formed friendships and sought work and changed their own lives and and you know found opportunities that was otherwise unavailable to them mm-hmm. if not for you know what we believe in and i think that's something that um that's something that you know, keeps me in that space uh, away from the noise of profits or like, yeah. oh, 100x your money. Like, sure, that will be a good thing, but that shouldn't be the focus. Um, and I guess as an artist, um, what keeps me going is that there will always be things that we want to talk about. There will always be th- things that we are bothered by, that we are... Um, that we desire. And I think, you know, being driven by not knowing what might happen mm-hmm. is, um, you know, quite an exciting position to be in. Like I have this like tattoo, it's called like mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from this project that I worked on called mystery is a compass. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, that, that title uh, points to, you know, allowing this unknown to guide you in the right direction, even though you're not sure where or what it might bring you towards. Mm. Just like how I stumbled into things, just like how I stumbled into NFTs, just like how I stumbled into, you know, the things that I create, the people that I meet. I think life is beautiful because you don't know what might happen. Um, and for art, it's the same. You know, you don't know what you might think about tomorrow and want to create tomorrow. You don't know what your desires are, mm. but you just trust it and you trust yourself to bring yourself to where you should be. Yep. And I think that uh, is a powerful thing and a emotional thing to um, kind of have trust in for yourself. Um, and I think 
that's what keeps me passionate uh, about this space and kind of doing what I want to do. Yeah, mm, that's a beautiful way to end this conversation. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can go to my website, jonathanliu.net. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, going by John says relax, uh, and uh, NFT Asia Discord. You can find us on Twitter at NFT Asia Official. Uh, and yeah, I'm in LaSalle. Come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a fantastic conversation, John. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.